0: Uh, Yeah, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 24 of the book of Genesis and uh, a wife for Isaac. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I found that to be true. I mean, yeehaw. Ever a year with Mrs. Brown is sweeter than the year before. But, um, but Abraham's also, he's walking by faith, and he's, he's clinging to a promise that God uh, had given him and his beautiful bride, Sarah. And, um, and, and so he's gone through the mourning process, um, and so he realizes, oh, boy, now it's time for Isaac to get busy in, in um, supplying the earth like, like, like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the heaven are going to be his descendants. And, um, and that's what God promised him. And so we're going to read uh, starting in the first nine verses here. And uh, golly, this is terrible. As you get older, uh, you need more light and stronger glasses. And so I'm going to get me just a, a little uh, light assistance here, I think. If I'm, I'm not very, I'm pretty technically challenged, like myself. So I got a light? All righty, yeah, here we go. Got it. Let's read. Chapter 24, verse 1, it says, Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham ham in all things. And so Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house who ruled over all that he had, "Please put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac" And the servant said to him, perhaps a woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. Must I take your son back to the land from which you came? But Abraham said to him, beware that you do not take my son back there. The Lord God of heaven who took me From my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants I give this land I will send his angel before you and you shall take a wife for my son from there and if the woman is not willing to follow you then you will be released from the oath. Only, do not take my son back there. And so the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning this matter. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that um, is uh, is a truly a powerful uh, living breathing word that speaks to our hearts and our souls, even uh, this morning, Lord. And so as we look at it, I pray that you would prepare us, that we would have ears to hear. Lord, that um, the, the pictures that we have in the entirety of your word, Lord Jesus, you're right in the middle of it. And so we praise you for that. We look to you, the author and finisher of our faith, to grow us even today as we look at this chapter in the book of Genesis, Lord. And we just pray for your anointing, for your Holy Spirit to come and to teach and to direct us, Lord. And Father, we just, uh, we love you so much knowing that you have our best interest at heart Even if it means a correction or a rebuke, we love you for that. For faithful are the wounds of a friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. And so, hairball. He, uh, so Abraham's old. Now, This, this is, it's kind of comical in a way because we kind of know the end of the story and we know Abraham's life. He goes on to live to be, he's probably 130 or 140 here. He lives to be 175 years old. Abraham does. That's a long time. And uh, that's a really long time. And, and he lives to be, uh, and he just buries his wife. So no doubt he's thinking, right? Maybe he's next. Have you ever felt that when you go to a funeral? Went to a funeral here day four yesterday down in Burley. And uh, I don't ever do a funeral without thinking about my own demise and my own uh, sojourn being over. I don't. The Bible says that when you go to a service, right? Ecclesiastes 7, the living take it to heart. People take to heart when you... Put especially put one of your loved ones in the ground. I remember burying my brother. Rick was carrying him to the uh, to the uh, cemetery or the church, excuse me, on his lap. Here's our brother on his lap, his ashes, right? And we didn't get any more sass from him. Sorry, but but you think, wow, 53. He died at nine years younger than me. And, um, and then your mom and your dad and your the people that you love, friends. I remember in high school, uh, going to friends' funerals. Uh, that seemed out of order. That was weird, right? Burying a 15, 16 year old kid. And um, but you you take it to heart, some think that Abraham had some urgency in his in his heart to send the servant to get Isaac a wife because he was going to die and uh, didn't even know if he would, would last for, for sure to see uh, the servant come back. But it starts there. I like what it says, just confirming what God had told him many chapters before. It says, nah, Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. Do you look at your life that way? Have you been blessed in all things? You think about it. Just talking to someone the other night, you know, from the fellowship. They've lived some life and they've been through some hard things. They made some mistakes when they were younger. But as they look back, as you look back at your life, you realized even those wicked, evil things were a blessing. Right? They were a blessing. Not at the time. No, but God will take everything and use everything, right? Romans, Romans 8, 28. It's, it's real. Um, you know, you, you, you have to remember those things. As you look back on your life, for the Lord causes everything to work for the good of those who do what? Who love him. Now, if you don't see your life as being blessed... The question is, is is do you love God? Right? Do you love God? Are you just a bitter, mean, this life, it throws you a bunch of curves, and you're just mad at everybody. In fact, you think your life is everybody else's fault. You ever met people like that? My older brother was like that. Randy was like that. For the longest time, woe is me. What well, was me, my, I hate my dad, he don't love me, and, and mom just puts up with me, and you guys never come see me, and I'm just like, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> Knock it off. His life was blessed, he only lived 53 years, he only learned that in the last 12 months of his life, praise God he learned it though, right? Our lives are blessed, peoples. We might be fighting cancer. We might be uh, recouping from a heart attack. Your life is blessed if you know Jesus. Because mainly of where you're headed. You have something to look forward to. Or how about James chapter 1, verse 2, right? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, you don't see people doing the... I'm going to try it. The, the hope. <laughs> leprechaun thing, right? When, they, <laughs> when they're going through j- trials, right? I think I pulled something. <sighs> but when you're blessed, when you see your life as being blessed, I remember listening to Johnny Erickson Tata. Who knows who she is, right? Many of you have heard Johnny Erickson Tata over the years. At, at, uh, at 19, diving into shallow water and striking her head and breaking her neck and being a quadriplegic. Now, she, I think she's in her 70s now. And she said it was one of the greatest things that ever happened to her. Simply of how it turned her life to God. And, and I, I talk to people all the time and they're going through things that I do not understand. As a pastor, I don't understand some of these things, and, and I'm supposed to go minister to these people. It usually is flipped by the time I leave. I'm the one that gets ministered to. And so, um, Abraham knew that he was blessed, and he, uh, he was hanging on to, to God's uh, promises, and time was a wasting. For his boy to get married. Some believe that he's probably between 30 and 40 at this time. And, and, and he sends, it says there, and, uh, that he, and he sends his oldest servant um, of his house who ruled over all that he had. Abraham had a trusted servant. Now he's not named here, but most believe this is Eliezer which was the one that way back before he had children, he thought that was going to be his heir. And the Lord said, no, that, he's not going to be your heir. And um, he is a, he's an interesting character, this, this Eliezer. And he's the one that Ab- Abraham uh, petitions to go and to get Isaac a wife. Um, he held a position of great honor there in, in all that Abraham had. Uh, he he uh, managed it. And, and Abram was going to trust him to go 600 miles camelback. Anybody ever rode a camel? Somebody rode a camel. I got on one. I didn't didn't really walk with him, but I got on one. Man, them humps are hard. This was one of the doubles, you know, and um, and he's going to go he's going to go 600 miles. And he's gonna trust this guy to go and, and get a son for his wife, the unnamed servant. Now, Eliezer, interestingly enough, Eliezer, interestingly enough, means God, my helper, or it can be translated comforter. Does that ring a bell? Right? It's the Holy Spirit. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit here, now. God, by his Holy Spirit, is getting his bride ready. Are you ready? You better get ready. If you're not ready, you better get ready. I'm just saying, right? Because the bride's going out, right? She's going out of this world. And the bride is those believers who have placed their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's comforter, God's Holy Spirit is teaching your heart and my heart in all truth, it, he's he's um, Maybe this is why the servant isn't named. The Holy Spirit is always kind of behind the scenes, right? The Holy Spirit is, is in people proclaiming Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ in you and in me. Because it tells us that nobody can say that Jesus is Lord but by the Spirit of God. Nobody can do that. And, and uh, in truth, now people lie a lot. I've heard people lie. They tell me Jesus is our Lord, but like Titus said, they deny him by their works. You're watching their life and you're thinking, I don't know. There's some question marks there. And so it's this, it's this servant that he has him get ready and, um, He's going to go get a Gentile bride. Such a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit working in the church, getting the bride ready for Jesus to come. And so, um, and we don't see Isaac. It's not in the picture. Like we don't see Jesus yet, but we're going to, right? We're going to. Because he's going to come. He's going to come from the east. I love sitting at the cemeteries and sharing right before I do the committal prayer. Right? And almost every cemetery, with the exception of one or two that I've been to, all the graves run east and west. Right? All the graves run east and west. And there's a reason for that. You're like, who cares? They don't care. Right? But the, the thought is that as they lay in their grave, because... When we were uh, sextons, a lot of times we had to do the funerals because like a county, if they didn't have any family around or whatever, they would bring it out. We'd have to do it. There would be no family there. Sometimes we would we would say a prayer and and we would do the burial. But our funeral director was always wadded up if the casket was turned the wrong way. Oh, you can't do that. What? Nobody's upset about this except you. What's going on? Hell, no, the head has to be on the west end of the grave. Has to be. I said, would you please tell us why? Well, I don't know. (laughs) This guy would get wadded up about it. And I said, well, you need to find out why. So they did some research, and they said, oh, okay. So they found out that years ago, they established the graveyards with the graves running east and west. And when a person is laying in the grave... Jesus comes from the east, the Bible says. As a lightning flashes from east to west, so is the coming of the Son of Man. And so when they come up out of the grave at the resurrection, they face him. And so uh, a, I love to share that with people, especially people that don't know for sure if they're going to come up out of that grave or not, right? There's going to be this bodily bodily resurrection. And, and so... I uh, guess i don 't know why I got on that rabbit trail, but you're you 're just ready you be you 're always ready, and when you have the hope of the resurrection, nothing can come your way that totally tips you over oh you you mourn, you have trouble, you lose loved ones, but you don 't mourn like those who have no hope right you there's a, there's almost an excitement uh, to see those who have gone before us, especially as we get older. And so, so he sends this, this, uh, this servant, right? And um, his marital future is in the hands of someone else. He's going to find a mate for, for Isaac, I remember reading this at uh, Michelle and and Brandon's wedding, and I love it uh, because it's such a beautiful picture of of marriage. But Ecclesiastes chapter four, verses nine through 12, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up. His companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not easily broken. And that's why. It's so hard for widows and widowers, many times the loneliness, right? Of the the absence of their mate, because that threefold cord is broken. And and that's a hard thing as I have watched people over the years go through it and and try to adjust and and some being uh, content with being single until they go be with the Lord and others, uh, not so much. But notice what this this verse really suggests in that that covenant relationship of man and wife and that this is Abraham's desire for Isaac. There's, There's strength, there's accountability, there's warmth, there's encouragement. And that threefold cord is really two lives with the Lord in the middle. I think a great thing for anyone who's dating, whoever you're dating, have you ever prayed with them? Have you had them pray? Girls, if you're dating a cute, buff dude that you're really interested in, ask him to pray with you. If he will not pray with you, please run for your life, right? Because he's a punk. He's a wimp. If he won't pray with you, right, he is a punk. And he's got no cojones whatsoever, and he's got a heart about that big. Now, I say that because I prayed with my wife. But if I wouldn't have, I would have been a punk. And um, because it is a threefold cord, it's intertwined, right? It's, 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 it's two lives, right, wrapped around Jesus. And um, when he is that solid foundation than you with, can withstand just about anything. A threefold cord is not easily broken. And um, so back then there's arranged marriages, right? A couple families would get together, they would have a son and a daughter. It'd be a powerful thing. They would come to a city square, the families, the groom or the groom-to-be and the bride-to-be would come to a family square and there was an acceptance of drinking a cup, the, the groom would take a drink and then offer the bride a drink. If the bride took a drink, that means she accepted the fact that this, this man would be her husband eventually. And, um, but she also had the ability to not accept Right? And that's that's the, the servant's concern here, right? What if she doesn't accept? And, um, but she didn't have to drink the cup. But if she accepted him, she did. Isn't it interesting that Jesus talked about a cup in the garden? He said, oh, Father, if, if it be your will, let this cup Pass from me. But Jesus drank the cup. When you come to Christ, you have to drink from the same cup. Right? You and I have to be willing to drink from the same cup. We talked about it last week with the coffin, right? Did you get your, anybody start building theirs? Right? And and she could accept or reject. In India today, you know, arranged marriages, all the studies they've done, the lowest divorce rate in the world is India, or one of them. One of the lowest divorce rates in the world is India. And most of them are arranged marriage. Why? It is because, well, I got a little blurb, I'll read you. Um, Marriages are arranged by parents, much like uh, we read here with Abraham sending his servant to go get Isaac a bride. Uh, what, what, um, what made sense is you have a culture, listen to this, where relationships are based upon decision, will, and commitment before emotions and, emotions and romance enter the picture. So that's societally, the stability of that relationship is far better than otherwise. They just are raised and go into it understanding, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to exercise my will regardless of who that person is. That in the Christian home, trusting the Lord is behind it all. Now, I I, I know that uh, that sounds uh, really wild and foreign to us. And some might be thinking, (laughs) note to self, don't move to India right but but they work why because the commitment level is above everything it doesn't matter how you feel how many of you in your marriage relationships have had all kinds of feelings murder <laughs> right isn't it amazing someone you love so much and you know and, and i'm convinced Nobody is out of the woods. I don't care how long you've been married, right? Me and my little bride, we're going on 37 years. We had a little spat yesterday. Oh, yeah. And they were worshiping just down the hall. We were in line at the pretzels place. So I felt bad, so I gave her 100 bucks. I love you, dear. Please forgive me. But it's a powerful thing, isn't it? This, this whole marriage thing and, and, you know, the beauty of what it pictures. And notice, he has, him do, he has him make a vow, and he has to put his hand under Abraham's thigh. That's kind of personal, don't you think? Well, how close is skinny? Well, it's pretty close, right? Uh, different thoughts on this, right? It's it's obviously very intimate, but um, the thigh is the biggest muscle, the strongest part of the body. But also, some think that it's it's a a um, picture really of the loins and where his offspring was going to come from, and because he makes him. He makes him swear. He has to take an oath, this this servant. uh, By the maker, I want you to swear by the maker of heaven and the maker of earth. Uh, And there's this, this closeness. And so he says it's pretty serious. Hand on the thigh, under the thigh. It's interesting, years ago I heard a guy, he was a, he was a counselor. He did a lot of premarital marital counseling, did a lot of uh, you know, um, marital counseling after people were married and struggling. And he said he could watch when he would speak to groups of couples, uh, couples in the dating scene and stuff, and he could tell by the man if he would put his hand on her thigh, he could tell whether they had had intercourse or not. And he was speaking to a group like this when when he said that, and uh, several guys went like this. <laughs> Pretty intimate stuff, right? Uh, and and he and he tells him there. He says uh, he tells him to take a wife. This is interesting. This word, uh, this word means to capture, or it could be uh, caught, like we would see in 1 Thessalonians chapter four, that we will be caught up to the Lord uh, in the air. That was. It's interesting that He's going to to take a wife, and and it can also mean to receive. Uh, Jesus in, in John 14 said, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Uh, the nuggets through this, this chapter have been uh, really a blessing. And, um, and so she, she has uh, free will, the, the, uh, the bride does and i got to get my light again and the servant said to him perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me and uh, to this land must i take your son back and to the land from which you came but abraham said to him beware that you do not take my son back there the lord god of heaven who took me from my father's house and from the land of my family and who spoke to me and swore to me saying to your descendants i give this land he will." send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife from, for my son from there. And he's saying, don't you dare go back. You can't, there ain't no going back at all. When God puts a call on your life, you can't go back. I've seen people go into ministry and get their eyeballs bugged out going, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was going to be like this. And then they want it, And then they tell me, I've heard people tell me this, I want my life back. What do you mean you want your life back? There's no Indy giving with Jesus. You can't Indian and give. Oh, yeah, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll go wherever you want. And then, yeah, oh, right, I'm going to do it my way. It doesn't work like that. And Abraham knows that. He knows that he is called from Ur of the Chaldees to the promised land. And like we saw last time, all he has is a grave spot. That's all he's confident of is that grave spot. He doesn't get a C sea. A lot of the population and the the sons of Jacob taking over uh, the promised land. When they cross over some several hundred years later, he doesn't see it. But he says, we're not going back. My son Isaac is not going to live in this world. He's not going to be worldly like I was. You fathers have that desire for your children. I don't want my kids to be like I was. But you know what? My kids were just like I was. To a lesser degree, I must say. I have them whipped in the sin department. But they have the same wicked heart they have to deal with, just like I do. And, um, but I, don't want them to be exp- I didn't want them to be exposed to the things I was exposed to. I, I didn't, I, you want better for your children. And he wants the best for Isaac. He wants a woman from there to come to them he doesn't want him to go because what do we see throughout scripture what you see throughout scripture women are much more spiritually naturally than men they just are women are more spiritual than men are for the most part and who do we see causing them to fall when Balaam and his donkey, right? And Balak wanted the children of Israel cursed. And Balaam said, I can't do it. I can't curse these people, but we can convince them to curse themselves. We'll just have those girls and Moabite women, they'll just dress real sparsely. Is that how it goes? Right? And be provocative and provoke them to sexual sin. And then God will curse them. Bingo. They had their deal, and so it was, and it happened, and so the women are more apt to lead the men, and so that's, it's the idea is that Abraham is sending the servant to get this girl to bring her back. Now, she comes into their culture. Now, he can influence her for the God of heaven. That's why it's so important for men to lead their families. Because if they won't, by default, their wives will. And because women are much more gullible than men, just saying, girls, just the way it's been from the beginning, they're apt to get into false worship. And us guys, we don't want to worship. Oh, yeah, whatever. Oh, we got to go to church. Yeah, okay. We got to keep a smile on mom's face. Let's go to church. How many people have you seen like that in your life, right? And so he's going to get a wife. She's going to have an opportunity to say yes or yay or nay. Uh, Abraham is operating in his great faith there in verse 7. Where it says. To your descendants I give this land. He will send his angel before you. And you shall take a wife for my son from there. And if the woman is not willing to follow you. Then you will be released from his oath. Only do not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under his thigh. And Abraham his master. And swore to him concerning the matter. And so he said. If she doesn't want to come, no big deal. Verse 10 says... Then the servant took 10 of his master's camels and departed for all the master's goods were in his hand and he rose and went to Mesopotamia to the city of Nahor and he made his camels kneel down outside the city by the well of water at evening time. The time when women go out to draw water and then said, "O Lord God of my master Abraham, please give me success this day and show kindness to my master Abraham. Behold, here I stand. And by the well of water and the daughters of men of the city are coming out to draw water. Now, let it be that the young woman uh, to whom I say, please let down your pitcher that I may drink. And she says, drink. And I will also give your camels drink. Let her be the one you have appointed for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. So he puts out what we would call a fleece, right? He gets there, takes 10 camels. 10 camels can pack a lot of stuff, right? The average pack on a camel when they travel 25 to 30 miles a day is between 350 and 450 pounds. That's a lot of weight. They say they can actually stand up with a 900-pound pack, a camel can. So there's 10 of them. So no doubt he's taking a dowry with him, right? When we were in Africa, uh, there was. I met this guy. He was part of the worship uh, team. His name was Brian. Brian was really hot on a little uh, little filly uh, called uh, what was her name, Caroline. And uh, and and but he said, "I want to marry Caroline. I love him. I love Caroline. I want to marry her. But her father is requiring ten cows, and I only got two. Ten cows, really? Yeah, wanted ten cows for that girl. This was just." In 2008, they do. They still do that in Africa. Dowries, you have to, you have to come up with some, some money and, or some beef. Where's the beef? And so he loads them up and he goes on this, this trek and he gets there and he, and he starts praying. He says, okay, but he asked for something pretty difficult, right? Well, have you asked the Lord for something difficult? I love what Pastor Chuck, I listened to his teaching on this and Pastor Chuck said, he asked for something difficult, but not absurd, not absurd, but we know that God is a God of miracles. And so this guy says, I'll tell you what, Lord, if the lady that I asked to give me a drink, if she's willing to water my camels too. Now a camel, when they're traveling, they can drink between 20 and 40 gallons per sitting. 20 to 40 gallons. That is a lot of water. Think if she's getting a gallon pitcher. I mean, I don't need to do the math, but I'm sure her shoulders got tired. But, but it, was, it was a fleece. If she, if, if she agrees, then she's the one. I remember when uh, my brother asked me to come to Idaho Falls. And we used to come to Idaho Falls for wrestling tournaments always in February and January. And my wife would tell me, <laughs> oh, I hate this place." I could never live here. And this was in 19, let's see, this was in 2002. Now in 1996, I had drug her to Burley to try to start a church in 1996. And uh, that was a train wreck. And we lasted about a year there and then went home with our tail between our legs. And and so when I got the opportunity to come to Idaho Falls and Rick asked me, I just thought, I prayed. I said, Lord, there's no way. All right, no way I'm going to drag my wife there. I drug her to Burley, and that was only 45 miles, and uh, that wasn't good. So you have got to convince her. If you convince her, I'm willing. If you don't convince her, I can't. And so, so that was my fleece. Well, after four to six weeks of tears and prayer, the Lord convinced her. And I think putting things out there for the Lord. So, Lord, put an offer on a place. If you know a building we could put an offer on, let us know. You know, we know what we can do. We'll say, Lord, if we offer this, they don't reject it. Hey. Now, we don't need to be absurd. (laughs) Right? But, yeah, you can. Believers can lowball people. In love. Right? But it's, it's like putting things out there, and it gives the Lord opportunity to work. He can change hearts. He can, he can, um, he can minister. He can close doors. He can do all kinds of things. Even here at the, the Shiloh, though, we, are, we're, we haven't got in there yet. Um, I, had, I had asked about doing a baptism. At first, it was like... Psh! No way. Talk about a slammed door in the face, right? They just said, no way. And I'm like, okay. So then they approach me about it. Hey, let's talk about that again. And so the Lord can do anything. We just have to be willing to present things to him. And so this guy presents these these, uh, stipulations toward the Lord, and um, he, um, he hears and it says there that, and it happened before he had finished speaking, verse fifteen, right? That behold, Rebecca, who was born to Bethuel, son of Milcah, the wife of Nahor, Abraham's brother, came out with her pitcher on her shoulder. Here she comes. He's not even done talking, right? He's not even done talking. And the Lord is answering prayer sometimes before we even are done talking. Isaiah 50, excuse me, 65 verse 24 says, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are still speaking, I will hear. God's got plans. Our job is just try to get in the in the current of where God is leading us and taking us. And so often, I don't know where that is. But I know that I can seek him, and he's eventually going to show me. God doesn't always show you the end of the road. He only start, shows you the beginning of the journey. <laughs> Take the first step as the priest went up to the Jordan River there. The Bible says... The river's going to go back. It's gonna, God's going to hold the water back, but not until you step down in it. Not until you take that first step. And as the priest stepped into the water, he held it back, and they went across dry shod. Some think up to three million people. So it made a pretty big lake by the time it was all said and done. I'll hurry up here. Verse 16, so... So she said, so she said, drink, my Lord. Then she quickly let her pitcher down to, uh, to her hand and gave him a drink. And when she had finished giving him drink, she said, I will draw water for your camel also until they have finished drinking. Then she quickly emptied her pitcher into the trough, ran back to the well to draw water and drew for all his camels. And the man wondering at her remained silent so as to know whether the Lord had made his journey prosperous or not. Is there a question? Right? Here's this beautiful girl with the pitcher. And not only is she filling the camels, tr- the, the trough for them to drink, but she's running, running to do it. She's eager to do this, this deed. Rebecca is one of the few women in the Bible that has, uh, is named as beautiful. Uh, her relative, Sarah, was called beautiful. Rachel, um, another relative, was called beautiful. Abigail. who became the wife of of David, was beautiful. Uh, Bathsheba, she was called beautiful. Tamar, the daughter of David, was called beautiful. Queen Vashti uh, of the Persians, she was called beautiful. And so was Queen Esther, her replacement. And the daughters of Job were called beautiful. But I think he was starting to see, and as this man is contemplating this woman, he's thinking, there's something more to her than outward beauty. Right There's something more. Girls, are you concerned about that? I know you're all concerned about outward beauty because there is no one that can spend as much time in front of a mirror as a woman. I'm like, I've seen all the warts and the blackheads in the places I miss shaving. I can go now. The Bible says men forget, but women stay there long enough, they kind of remember. But God is more concerned with the inner beauty, right? It's, it's more impressive. First Peter 3 says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair wearing gold or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissives to their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement. Just walking by faith. And Rebecca seemed to be this kind of a woman. And I really think that that inner beauty that, that is very attractive is, is really comes in the form of a servant. And what was he impressed with? Holy cow. Maybe a couple hundred gallons of water she, she watered those camels with and was not afraid. She was, she was a servant. Like 1 Corinthians 4 two. Moreover, it is required in stewards or servants that one be found faithful. She was faithful. Whose daughters you are, it says. Verse 22. We'll just read a few more and wrap it up today. So it was when the camels had finished drinking that the man took a golden nose ring weighing a half a shekel and two bracelets for her wrist that weighed 10 shekels of gold and said, whose daughter are you? Tell me, please, is there room in your father's house for us to lodge? So she said to him, I am the daughter of Bethuel, Milcah's son, whom she bore to Nahor. Moreover, she said to him, we have both straw and feed enough and room for you to lodge. So here's Bethuel. Many believe his name means "man of God." Um, this was Abraham's relative, his nephew, and Abraham. Uh, this is the very people that Abraham was instructing to this guy to go to, and and notice he pulls out the gold, and um, and he's ready to pay whatever dowry is is required for this woman. And this was a a sign of uh, generosity from Abraham as well as his wealth. Um, And I got in my notes here, anyone who walks by faith has a golden future, right? Anyone who walks by faith in the Lord Jesus has a golden future. And she tells him who she belongs to. And it says there in verse 26, and being, and he, excuse me, verse 27, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master, Abraham, who was not forsaken, who has not forsaken his mercy and truth Toward my master. And as for me, being on my way, the Lord led me to the house of my master's brethren. And so the young woman ran and told the neighbors of the household these things. Being on his way, the Lord showed him. The Lord showed him what to do, where to go. He was guiding his every step, he was moving forward. And I think I mentioned this last week that you need to be moving forward. We all need to be moving forward. And then God is going to direct our steps. We plan out our way, the Bible says, but the Lord directs our steps. And he directs this man's steps exactly to the perfect person that they needed to talk to. And he found the wife. He said, notice the Lord's mercy toward my master, his mercy and his truth. Being on my way, he led me in the way. Is a, can I ask you today, is the Lord leading you? Is he leading your, your, your steps, your way, your thoughts, right? Commit your thoughts to the Lord, the Bible says. And, and I have to do that because my thoughts run, run wild, and um, But when you're actually uh, actively serving the Lord, being led by him, he will always put you in the right place, right? He's always going to put you in the right place. Like Abraham, you will be blessed in all things, right? God's going to use it all. As I look back over my life, I, I'm, I'm actually just fascinated at, at God's hand that all the, even the little detours that I've took he's used them in my life yesterday somebody walks up to me and they hands me a tract that they were pr- uh, passing out there at the mall there was a i think how many churches were represented there is marcella here was there three or four three or four churches and they there was 12 of them they were doing a worship set it was wild me and my wife walked through J.C. Penney's, and we could hear it. And they were clear down by the old Sears building. I think it's a school now. And all the way down the food court, they were praising and worshiping the Lord. And then uh, somebody gave me, and they said, "Give this to somebody that doesn't know Jesus." Do I have to? And so I looked, said, "Lord, give me a, give me somebody to give it to." And so after my wife and I's a little spat at the pretzel place, she went to get us a drink, and and I seen this mom and her boy. And um, they were they were there and I thought, well, I'll just they're having some a little lunch, and in the tract is a couple little Tootsie Rolls. And I said, Hey, I've got some dessert for you with a message. And I handed it to them. So and then they came and talked to to uh Lois. So uh but just that little thing. We had no idea. Then they came down and they listened to, for I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, they listened to the worship set. And I didn't say anything to them about Jesus. I just handed them the track. But that's what God wants us to do, is just be in motion. He said, As I, I am on the way, the Lord led me. How's the Lord leading you? Are you putting fleeces out? Are you giving Him an opportunity? Are you making yourself available? Which is really hard sometimes. Lord, today just let me talk to somebody about you. And and I'm not the greatest at that, unless the Lord blows the door wide open and then the Holy Spirit does all of it, and then he gets all the glory, right? But I'm not I'm not the best at initiating that. But he is. And if you'll commit your way to him, he he will lead you in that place where you're gonna watch, you're gonna watch him work in in truth, in righteousness, with mercy and grace. Last of all, what I love about this guy is it says, then this man, the man, bowed down his head and worshiped the Lord. A lot of people think that the only time to worship the Lord is when you come here. No, I learned yesterday that had a profound impact on the people who were there. I think it it might have made some of them mad. But it's funny because they had to come right by the worship uh, band to the bathroom. Right? We were right in the right place. So, man, I I, I told Kelly, I I said, I think we could call this bladder evangelism. But no, we, we, we praise the Lord uh, out there. We need to have a heart to praise first. And, and I just want to read a couple of verses of, about that praise. In, in Psalm 146 verse 2, it says uh, it says, "While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being." right? Then you jump over to, to the, the shortest chapter in the Bible. Chapter 17 of the book of Psalms. And it says, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples, for his merciful kindness is great towards us. And the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That we're actually to be praising it outside of these walls. Praising the Lord with all of our hearts before people. That we would be that witness that people would be, know that it's, it's God who is, is moving us and doing these things. And then in the last ones in Psalm chapter 9, verse 30, it says, I will, listen to this, I will greatly praise the Lord with my mouth. Yes, I will praise him among the multitude, among the multitude. Now, I'm thinking that as if you went to D.C. during one of the Hamas rallies and you start praising Jesus, right, there might be some impact. Maybe literal, like a brick upside your head. I don't know. But it's we're called to it. We're called to worship him uh, uh, publicly and privately, but publicly as well. It's not just something that you keep to yourself. We, we praise him. With, with all that we are, just as this man did as God was leading his life. May he lead us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for worship, Lord, that is, oh, Lord, it's so wonderful that we can worship our God. We can do it freely. Lord, we take so much for granted. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give us a heart, Lord, to be in motion, just as the old saying, it's pretty hard to steer a parked car. Help us not be parked, Lord, but in motion towards your will for us. Lord, that we're, we're truly uh, blessed to know you and the power of your resurrection, and, and also that you have this plan for each one in this room to be used and to, um, Lord, to yield to you. And just as you drank that cup for us, help us to be willing to accept and drink the cup that you have for us, knowing that, Lord, uh, in doing so, we're accepting the greatest gift that mankind has ever experienced, eternal life. In the here and now and beyond, in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.